Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of the Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. In coronavirus news this week, COVID vaccination cards are increasingly being used in fraud scams. Recent listings on eBay are promising an authentic CDC vaccination card for about $10. And scammers are also using those vaccination selfies you might be posting to make their fakes look even more real. For more on these vaccination card scams, we'll speak to Dan Diamond, national health reporter at The Washington Post. Many Americans, more than half of adults, have now gotten legally a vaccination card (laughs) by going to get vaccinated. So the trend is pointing in the right direction. The challenge is that there are many Americans who don't want to be vaccinated at all. And with the looming possibility of organizations, sporting arenas, businesses, some travel and so on, that are are asking for proof of vaccination, some of these Americans have decided that the way to meet that potential requirement is to forge their own paper vaccination card or buy one off eBay. Now, I don't think regulators know how much this is happening. It's possible it's just a fringe, but there's certainly a lot of interest in it. And my story for The Washington Post delved into why this is happening and who some of these scammers are. I do want to get into who one of these scammers are because it's an interesting story there. But let's start off first with why did we get these paper cards? My understanding is that there was a lot of plans ready to go digital on this and that the paper cards were kind of the fail safe, the backup plan. That didn't happen. That's what they went with. So how did that part of it work out? About a year ago when the federal government was starting to roll out its anticipated plans for the vaccine, knowing that a vaccine could come at the end of the year or come very soon, there was talk about doing a digital system where if you've checked out a library book and you've gotten the email saying your library book is due next week, your library book is due today, similar idea that you would get digital reminders about where you were in the queue, when it was your time to get a shot, when it was your time to get a second shot and so on. That plan never really materialized. Now, whether that was because CDC officials, officials at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, were aiming too high and they just ran out of time and expertise, that might be one reason. Another is that given the complexity of setting up a digital system, paper cards were seen as the easiest way to give people reminders to make tracking on some basic level happen as fast as possible. And as the end of the year approached, and vaccines were starting to be prepared to be shipped out to states, that's when CDC started telling other officials, we'll be going with paper cards instead. Easy to use, but also easy to counterfeit as well. So now let's get into one of these listings that you saw on eBay. You guys actually were able to obtain one of these fake cards, but it's a weird story. It was like a real card, but illegally obtained. So tell us about how that worked out. Yeah, it appeared to be a real card. There was a person on eBay, among the many people on eBay, listing vaccination cards for sale, or in one case, listing a protective pouch for a vaccination card for, it was about $10, I think. And if you bought the vaccination card pouch, as one whistleblower did, that person got an actual blank CDC vaccination card. And 
using clues that the whistleblower shared with me, I was able to trace back that account to a pharmacist in the Chicago area who works in a major pharmacy chain. Now, I'm not mentioning that person's name or the chain because that person claimed to me that he had no knowledge of these cards that were being sold through his account that had been sold for the past couple of weeks. He claimed that his eBay password had been mysteriously changed and he didn't think about fixing it. It was odd because he has other listings up that he did confirm that he posted. Either way, the fact that this was happening undergirds the, the issue that I think is bigger, that these cards are either available on eBay, on Etsy, people are making them at home because, as you pointed out, they're very easy to counterfeit. And if a pharmacist is even tangentially involved in this, it points up that there is some market for these kinds of fake cards. Yeah, I mean, the pharmacies for themselves, and as you know, I guess there's an investigation going on, so we'll have to see what happens. But the pharmacies say that they have protections in place to track the cards, basically one card for every dose that they're going to administer. So that just kind of adds another little wrinkle into all of this. So we'll see what happens. But as you mentioned, it shows that the demand is there. And the last thing I wanted to just kind of bring up, you even mentioned in your article that some of these scammers are exploiting all those selfies that people are posting. You know, people are excited to get their vaccines and get back to normal. So they're putting it on social media. But this kind of also helps these scammers when they can see those lot numbers for the vaccine. It helps them get the wording and the numbers right to make their fakes look more authentic. This is something that attorneys general have been warning about for a few months, that in the best of intentions, people posting photos of getting vaccinated, hoping to encourage others to do the same. But by putting their names, their birth dates, the lot numbers up, that is sharing personal, private information. And it makes it that much easier for a scammer to simply copy all of that down. Dan Diamond, National Health Reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me back. Vaccine hesitancy continues to be a problem for the country. More than half of Americans have received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine. And while that's good news, experts increasingly feel that we might not get to herd immunity. Recent polls suggest that about 15 to 25 percent of Americans don't plan on being vaccinated, which won't help in the effort. For more on why herd immunity might no longer be on the table, we'll speak to Elizabeth Weiss, national correspondent at USA Today. So the first thing to know is that so herd immunity is basically there are enough people in it. It actually started out in cattle, which is why we call it herd, that there were enough people who are immune to a disease that it basically can't find any more people to infect and it stops spreading. And for COVID, as you said, I mean, we're still learning how COVID works. So at first we thought 60 to 70%, then we learn more and we're like, yeah, maybe 70 to 80 with the variants, maybe we're up to 90 now. What we're hearing is that, yes, the United States could totally get to full herd immunity if 90 to 95% of Americans got vaccinated against the COVID-19 virus. We're not going to get there because from all the surveys that we're seeing, 15 to 25 percent of Americans are either saying they are unlikely or definitively won't get vaccinated. And if we are at 75 percent vaccination, we'll never reach herd immunity. The upside of that is they're saying, but if you immunize, there's great data out of Israel and you may be okay even though. Yeah, let's and let's talk a little bit about the data out of Israel, because they're uh, number one right now when it comes to vaccinations. They're about 62 percent. So they're doing really well there. 
And what they saw is that when they hit over 50% of people vaccinated, they started to see cases, deaths, really severe cases of it start to plummet right away. So right away, you can see the gains hitting there when the majority of the population gets vaccinated. Everybody that I talked to said, if you want to know what happens when a lot of people get vaccinated, look at what's happening in Israel. And the news from there is great. And the other news out of there, which is heartening, is that it looks like when you get a lot of people, a lot of adults vaccinated, the cases in children starts to fall a lot as well. And again, this is just because that's what viruses do. They're looking for the next person to infect so that they can keep moving around in a population. And the fewer people there are that it can infect, the harder time it has to move around. And so it's, it's protective of people who haven't gotten vaccinated. And of course, the people who have gotten vaccinated are well protected. So that's all really heartening. The thing that the experts were telling me is what they're concerned about is we'll end up with the U.S. looking a bit like a patchwork quilt. There's going to be some areas with very high rates of vaccination where there's very little virus circulating. And so if you've been vaccinated or even if you weren't able to get vaccinated, you're probably not going to get sick. And if you were vaccinated, even if you do get sick, you won't get desperately ill. But there are other parts of the country where vaccination rates are lower and they may stay lower. And in those areas, the possibility of getting infected with COVID will be just as it is right now. And COVID will continue to be just as dangerous as it is right now. Unfortunately, with a lot of things nowadays, it, it's just almost comes with the territory for everything. Now, you know, these splits have become political. We were talking about some polling and stuff about 79%, 80% of Democrats say they have plans to get vaccinated or have been already. On the Republican side, 46% say they don't plan to. And I think it was like a hard 30% that said they're not going to get it at all. So this is where the difficulty comes. This is why there's, you know, information campaigns geared towards conservatives, obviously communities of color, younger people also to get them all on board to get it. But in that patchwork, you know, we might see these pockets where certain counties, certain states continue to have these higher infection rates. Now, I did talk to one population biologist at the University of Wisconsin who he had a slightly more hopeful message. He said, you know, yes, people are saying no. There's, it's conservatives. It's also evangelical Christians, white evangelical Christians, because rates of hesitancy in the African-American community are actually going down. But his message was a little more hopeful because he said, you know, what I was starting to maybe see glimmers of this as more people see lots of folks around them who've gotten vaccinated. They know people who've gotten vaccinated and they see that nothing horrible happens to them. And they, in fact, are able to open up their lives in ways that they haven't for a long time. And also, as we continue to see the unvaccinated getting sick and sometimes ending up in the hospital and sometimes dying, that he's hopeful that over time, some of that, that hesitancy or that outright refusal will shift and that we will see those vaccination rates rise, even in the pockets right. where there's kind of hard refusals in place. I have to say, just anecdotally, I went to go get my second shot just very recently. And in California, they just opened up to all tiers so everybody can come and get a vaccine now. And there was a lot of people at the site that I went. It was a larger site as well. So the demand is there. People still do want to get vaccinated. And in cities especially, there's still a lot of demand but in a lot of places, especially in rural areas, there isn't as much demand as people were hoping for. 
I mean, we will see how it plays out. It's April now, so we first saw the vaccine. I mean, if you say January, you know, we're four months in. These things take time. So hopefully those rates will go up everywhere. What's remarkable is that we're at a little more than 50% nationally have gotten at least one shot. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It is. It definitely is. And so the new focus now is containment, similar to like the flu, possible regular booster shots uh, annually. Maybe we've heard things like that at a Pfizer and Moderna. So we're on our way. Herd immunity, the definition of it might not be reached, but we still need to keep fighting forward on getting everybody vaccinated. Elizabeth Weiss, National Correspondent at USA Today. Thank you very much for joining us. You're so welcome. Thank you. And finally for this week, get ready for the forever maskers. There are pockets of people that have indicated that despite the easing of mask wearing rules and increased vaccination rates, they will most likely be wearing their masks far beyond the pandemic. Reasons vary, with many saying they have avoided the flu and other illnesses and want to keep that streak going. For more on those who won't be putting their masks away just yet, we'll speak to Eve Pizer, writer at New York Magazine. In my work, I kind of like looking for anomalies and people who go against the grain in some way. So I found some people who wanted to wear masks after the pandemic ended, and they all kind of had different reasons. Some people, it was as simple as they hadn't gotten a cold since the pandemic started. Yeah. And they wanted to keep it that way. But I think for others, there was more emotional complexity and it was kind of had to do with how traumatized they've been by what's happened over the past year. Yeah, let's start off with the first one, because I think that's the easiest one to understand. A lot of people might even feel very similar. I I know I do. I haven't really had any major illness, flu, cold, anything like that. I think we saw flu rates plummet this past year, like almost really no flu season that happened, in part because a lot of people were wearing their masks. So there was a few people that you spoke to. Uh, I think uh, Michael Bizarro, he's a Colorado teacher in particular, said, hey, this has been working for me. I want to keep it going. Michael Bizarro has a job that involves interacting with kids, and I'm sure we can all remember that when we were kids and went to school, you just had got cold after cold. So I thought that his reasoning made a lot of sense. And I mean, my interview with him was longer and I obviously didn't get to include all of it in the article, but he said that his fiance works in public health. So it's something that he's been really conscious of and he's been really focused on keeping their household safe. But that's also been hard because he's the choir director for the school. And that's the one time at school where he can't wear a mask. But still, just this one change for him. I mean, I think for me, when people said, oh, I haven't gotten sick since I started wearing a mask. In my head, I was kind of wondering, well, there are other things at play. Like you're during the pandemic, you're just interacting with a lot less people than you normally would. But I think... Michael Bizarro kind of presented a compelling argument because he's interacting with the same amount of kids as he was before the pandemic. But there's been this one big shift that has changed his life for the better. Let's talk about some of the more psychological effects, I guess, about it. One of the psychologists that you spoke to about it says that the pandemic kind of gave everybody almost like an anxiety disorder. And wearing the mask is this safety behavior that can alleviate some of those anxieties. You feel like if I'm wearing the mask, I'm at least doing 
the most I can to protect myself. And there was a few common threads that people had that kind of surrounded that. that they were trying to calm those anxieties down. I mean, I think with the pandemic, there are a lot of behaviors you can control to make your risk of getting this disease less likely. But most of it is pretty much out of your control. And so I think that wearing a mask makes people feel proactive. And the psychologist I spoke to, Lena Pearl, she said that it's a way of relieving anxiety in a similar way that having a drink after a long day at work relieves anxiety or going running or any sorts of behaviors that people do to be less stressed out. But I think that she also made a really important point, which is the psychological benefits of getting to see other people's faces and how that can actually be something that helps you feel more calm. Because if you're walking down the street and you see a stranger and you see their face and they smile at you, it can kind of put you at ease and say, okay, like I see strangers all the time and these people don't actually pose any threats to me. Yeah, it could be a drawback to constantly wearing that mask, having half of your face hidden. So definitely get that. I mean, we've all had to start being able to read people's eyes only just, you know, from the top. And if somebody's wearing sunglasses, you're, you're not going to get anywhere on that front. Um, yeah, so definitely that's uh, another part of that. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people I, I'm ready to take the mask off, you know, just to kind of go back to normal. But I've kind of long posed that question. I never thought it would be something cultural here in the United States, but we've seen it in all, a lot of Asian countries where mask yeah. wearing is just kind of part of their everyday life. And I've long thought that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to hold on to that. Not everybody, obviously, but a lot of people still wanting to keep those masks on. Yeah, I mean, I think that the pandemic has shifted life in all these profound ways. And it's made people be more insular and it's made their world smaller and made them afraid of the public and like scared of strangers and I think that even as more and more people get vaccinated and rates and deaths continue to go down, those feelings won't just go away. One of the people I talked to, this really lovely woman named Robin Argenti, had like a really traumatic pandemic. She had a really close family member die. She didn't really get to see anybody. She said she hadn't touched anybody in over a year. And she had previously been kind of agoraphobic before the pandemic. And then the pandemic affirmed all those fears that she maybe once thought were irrational about right. being afraid of being in public spaces where she was learned like, no, public spaces <laughs> really are threatening. Yeah. And now she's going to do everything she can to hold on to that safety net in the mask. Yeah, she, you mentioned that she's one of the people that are going to be having this on for a long time. So I think we'll see, you know, as all the regulations do start to get eased, you know, we'll start to be able to point out those people that are going to be the long haul mask wearers. Eve Pizer, writer at New York Magazine, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive has been engineered by Tony Sorrentino. 
I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition. <laughs>